Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter. Ideas shape lives, cultures, markets. Most importantly, they change the world and they usually change the world by leaders that activate those ideas. So I'm always interested in talking to leaders who have defined themselves within a market space and how they live their lives intentionally with purpose and mission. <laughs> and with that, I want to introduce you to two leaders I met the other day, Chris and Danita Grow from Les Marchelles. Hello, folks. Great to have you on The Great Conversation. Well, thank you, man. It's so great to be here and finding somebody in our local neighborhood as well. Man, We really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. What, what he's referring to, Chris is referring to, is we realize we're both in the Pacific Northwest. So uh, we got to have coffee one day, definitely. And uh, yes, for those of you what we mean is the greater Seattle area. And yes, the state bird is the slug. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, right? it is. And I think the, the state plant is moss or fungus or something. Yeah. yeah, it's behind all of our ears and we're proud of it, right? There you go. <laughs> but but the, the way I stumbled on to Chris and Danita is they had announced, I'm uh, very close, to many people who participate in the International Protective Security Conference Board. Um, and is that the right IPSB, right? IPSB. Yeah. And uh, Chuck Randolph, for example, I've had on the on the Great Conversation podcast. And, um, and I noticed that Chris and Danita were promoting alongside IPSB an event of security leaders and giving back uh, with some knowledge forums and so forth. So I want to talk about that today. But before we do that, who in the heck is Chris and Danita Grow? So tell me your journey, folks. Let's let's start with how Leigh Marichelle started. So there, I'm sure there's the story behind the story, right? There always is. Um, basically, it was happening around the world in two different places at the same time. Uh, I'll let uh, Denny step in and speak her portion about the beginning and the inception of Athena uh, and Athena Academy and, and the nanny guards process. Mine was started off on this side. Uh, well, and all around the world, uh, spent my time with the Marines for a stint with third light armored reconnaissance, um, spent time working with a number of executive protection schools, uh, private uh, close protection work all around the country and around the world for that matter. Um, years as a firefighter and emergency medical technician working with the medics on our teams. Uh, and that just slowly compiled itself into working in the close protection world with the executives and um, that we don't go into details, but the, the, some of the upper biggest names you know in the world, having done work with them alongside their teams or with their teams as well. And that's how we met. But uh, you can tell your portion, Denny, what's, uh, how did that start over there? Well, I, I, so Danina or Denny, how, how, how should I call you? Oh, yeah. you can call me Denny. <laughs> Denny, okay. yes. But before we go on, remember, we have a lot of business people who aren't necessarily from the risk resilience security industry. Let's define what is close protection. Sure, sure, sure. Close protection um, or executive protection. The two terms are very closely related, although some people find the definitions to be different. Uh, it'll have to do with someone who is who is very highly trained and experienced. The two must work hand in hand uh, with the close protection or executive protection of your, your C-suites with large corporations, uh, VIPs, diplomats from around the world. Um, quite often it can be just, you know, I hate to say the, the, the spoon feds, but those who have just had money handed down and they're very wealthy and are in a position of, of ridicule or criticism from 
whatever element it is. So you're providing protection for them. You provide transport, logistics, risk analysis, all these things, which in most people's terms, they go, oh, you're the bodyguard. We in the business don't like the term bodyguard um, because it tends to always lean towards the the stereotypical picture of the big thug in the corner. Um, it's become such a scientific thing, so much multifaceted a business in that we're doing the advance work. We're prepping their lives to be smooth, their transportation, their family's transportation and safety, um, doing risk and threat analysis for them before they go, or even for their lives just locally around their local home and businesses. So that's kind of the, the, the definition behind that term. Thank you very much. So let's start with Denny's story. Well, my story starts in 2002. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I'm working as a barista and I see uh, an ad about uh, uh, a bodyguard school. I'm going to use the term bodyguard to make it easier <laughs> with the audience. I pick up the phone. Do you accept women? And the answer was, if you can deal with the very hard training, yes. And I found myself being the first female in their class. Uh, from what they told me, they, the first female ever, they ever had. Um, after I graduated my first bodyguard school, I realized that there weren't many women around or in the business. And uh, my instructors wanted to help me. Uh, they didn't know how to help me because protective industry in Greece back then and at that time was something very new and women in the business were non-existent. So yeah, <laughs> I was the tiniest in the school. <laughs> in the class. So I came up with the idea to create Athena Worldwide and Athena Academy, basically a training academy and uh, a company that would promote females, train and promote females in the industry. I was very young, many mistakes. I had no experience uh, running a business or no experience in the security industry. So I had to rely on other people who have been more in the industry or they had their own companies. Again, many mistakes, but I learned, I survived, the company survived and uh, is doing very well. Um, and I worked in different uh, European countries. Uh, I ended up working in India at some point for quite some time, which I really enjoyed. And in 2017, uh, I met Chris, uh, we started dating. In 2019, we got married and we said, okay, let's, you know, put our, our uh, efforts together. Let's join our forces and create Le Marshall uh, as the parent company of uh, Nanny Guards and, and Athena Worldwide. Tell me about Nanny Guards. So Nanny Guards came to me as an idea because uh, as a female agent, I was hired uh, to work for uh, either the, the females in, in the, the families of the executives or for the children. And when I was working for the children, uh, I realized that there is a huge gap between the nannies that work for these children and the security teams. And I wanted to create something that will close this gap, something that is going to train nannies in a very specific and basic security mindset, be more situational aware uh, so they can work better along with the security teams where they are, when the family has security teams. And if not, then the nanny can be more aware and uh, the, the family can have a peace of mind knowing that my nanny is trained not only to, to take care of my child, but also how to protect my child. It's so funny. And I think you'll both laugh at this. This is how weird my mind works. But if I think about an executive, like we profile Chris, uh, we, we have, when we travel, our nannies. We have our executive assistants. We have our travel team. 
and they're all designed to help me facilitate the business I need to get done or my personal adventures with my family, facilitate, make it easy, make it valuable. And yet, and yet the security team has to have enough soft skills to intersect with them to also fulfill the same objective while keeping them safe. So you saw that there was this gap between the security team and a very important resource that probably wasn't necessarily recognized by the, your male counterparts, right? Yes. That, but did I make a wrong kind of association between the two genres? No, no, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very correct. Uh, because here we have the security team that has a very specific role. And here we have the PAs or the butler or the driver or the nanny who has a different role. But at the end of the day, they're both, all of them are serving the same client. So yeah. it's, it's a team that the team has to work along and right. uh, together to, for, for, the, for the client. And the biggest, well, one of the biggest things we found, because I've been in that business for so long, is that you're not going to make the security guy become the nanny just not going to happen. You might make us the driver. We start to say all kinds of awful things if you make us the butler. So somewhere along the way, the discussion had to be, and we know this, nannies and EAs in particular are either the saving grace of the security team's needs and, and desires, or they are the bane of our existence. And there's no in between. So it was a need to bring them up. And that's what she noticed because Greek men in particular on bondage protection teams, yeah, tell them to be a nanny. Mm -mm. <laughs> but you need to take the nanny and make them at least aware of how do we work? What's our mindset? What are we thinking? Because then you're an asset to the team. You're not providing heavy amounts of security, but you know what we need and you know where we need you so that you blend with us. And we're always thinking the nanny's a great person, not the nanny's this boat anchor that we can't get rid of who's driving us crazy. It's so brilliant that you were able to think in those terms back then, Danny, and, and be able to see that gap. And, and it's just brilliant. But the reason I brought it up, uh, we both have a good friend, Max Siegel of Anna, and we had this very discussion, not about nannies, but about the team around the executive that really needs to go through the same kind of skills that you probably teach in the academy. Yes, we have been also training uh, PAs because yeah. they have a very crucial role. And when you get somebody in, in a hybrid role, like a nanny in, a, right. in security or a PA in security, then you have better results. Uh, there is a misconception that clients have large uh, groups of people around them, like big security protect, uh, big security teams. There are many clients in billionaires who have probably one or two or no one because nobody knows, knows them or who they are or how they look like, they have to Google them. So you can always have, if the client needs just one person or just a PA, have that PA trained. Yeah, now in uh, years ago, like you said, used to be referred as bodyguards. So when you thought of a bodyguard, the big hulking ex-football player, you know, walking down the street, very visible. And over the years, we found executives don't want that kind of visibility. Many executives want, want a um, less than obvious security guard around them. And I've noticed, Denny, that many of them are turning to women these days. Is that fairly new or when did that start? When did that trend start? Well, it, it's not something new. Women have been around, I would say, 20 years probably. But it's more it's more known now because the clientele has changed. 
we have many women who are who have uh, uh, C-suite roles, yeah. and uh, they are assigned protective teams. And again, you cannot put a man protecting a female because that man is not allowed to escort that female everywhere. So you have to find another solution. And uh, also, women have been around for for two decades. I would say that late the last five years, there is a huge uh, uh, rise on 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 the, on the need. So with that pivot, you can see I get excited about our industry. I just, you know, you're you know, filling the gap to help business executives and leaders design, navigate risk and opportunity in their personal and professional lives and their businesses. That's why I love the security industry so much. So you heard it right here behind the scenes, what's going on. Now, at the same time, uh, I saw on LinkedIn, Chuck Randolph, because I'm close to Chuck Randolph with Ontic, uh, who used to be at Microsoft. That's where I got to know Chuck Randolph. I see that he's promoting this incredible event. And I go, what's this event? This is a, a IPSB endorsed event uh, with lots of speakers, lots of knowledge agents in our industry. And yet they're raising money for St. Jude's Children's Research. And uh, those of you who don't know anything about St. Jude's, I've followed St. Jude's since Marlo Thomas started talking about it, you know, who is Danny Thomas's kid. And they're, they're, they're a wonderful, you know, people and families. When you have a kid going through cancer, you got to live with that kid no matter where they are. So they provide facilities for the kids. They provide treatment for the kids. It's like this all-encompassing warm blanket to help these families go through a, a real crucial period. And when I saw, holy cow, that you were putting all the funds, raising funds for all these speakers in this virtual event that went entirely to St. Jude's, it captured my heart. And I wanted to run out and, you know, what can I do? So I called, I, I, I sent an uh, email, I think, or a text to you, Chris, and suddenly yes. I got a call late at night while, while I'm having a martini in my reading chair. <laughs> but yeah. tell me about that. What, what? How did you come across St. Jude's? What? What grabbed your heart? So both of us have had experiences with it different. Um, many years ago, I was a along with security for some of the celebrities and some of the recording artists in Nashville. I was a, an aspiring musician, songwriter, and I would volunteer for anything that would allow me to work near the stars, near the industry. And quite often, they would hold charities. And they would donate their buses for kids to go out and enjoy some shopping together. And they would do, and I noticed that during the year, they would be involved with St. Jude's. And you'd watch these big recording artists, the cool guys, you know, the great macho pictures. And they'd go in, and sometimes I would see the videos of them visiting St. Jude's. And they'd come out blubbering messes and crying because they dealt with and had the opportunity to firsthand hold the little hands of somebody who has more courage than you and I will ever have. And... So that started me. That uh, St. Jude's has always been close to my heart. And then just recently, we're sitting here in December, and Denny had always mentioned something about wanting to work with a a, a charity of some sort. Go ahead. You were you, this epiphany hits her on the couch while we're just sitting there. And go ahead. <laughs> so uh, I'm just I'm just uh, we were watching movies, and I, I stop. Of course, I'm going to check my phones like 50 times every time we watch a movie. And I'm seeing an ad, I'm scrolling, as I'm scrolling on my Facebook, I'm seeing an, an ad from St. Jude. And I, I turn around to my husband and I said, how about we do something that is going to unite the industry? 
and create something good for the kids. This is not about how I feel about you or how you feel about me in the industry. This is about the children. Our feelings doesn't matter. Uh, how we see each other doesn't matter. We're, this is not about a competition or uh, to prove an agenda. This is just for the children. And this is how this started to, to, to build. And I want to publicly thank you for your generous uh, donation to our cause. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's not about me. It's about you at the tip of the needle for this wonderful cause. And it's twofold, remember, twofold. You're yeah. bringing industry together to learn from each other, which is a noble cause in itself, navigating risk and opportunity in a very volatile world. At the same time, taking this very real need and it grabbed my heart and it's all, it's all about you guys. And thank you for the opportunity to give, I, you know, um, you don't get that opportunity all the time. So fantastic. So what can we expect from the virtual event? So the event itself is obviously all you have to do is do a minimum donation of $39. And many people have done more because they want to be involved, but that gets you your virtual ticket, if you will, to the event. And it's two days long, and we now have 19 different speakers who are going to speak about industry specialties, skill sets, um, things to be aware of in the industry. And we wanted to stay away from what we would call the cookie cutter classes that tend to go on with all the conferences. Not that they're wrong, but they get hit on quite a bit during the year. But there's lots of phases and sides to us that really are important. Things like travel risk security analysis, uh, cyber, um, stalking, um, body language, being able to read body language, micro expressions. Um, and it goes on and on. The list is enormous. And wanted to find people who are the SMEs in their field and bring them forward and say, all you have to do is teach one hour. Donate to us one hour and teach a nice little compact class of what you do. At the end, you're more than welcome to do an unabashed you know, sales pitch of yourself so that you can draw later to people to you. But just let's teach some people. Let's make them aware. And so that's all it took. And we started, I mean, people jumped on board. We quietly, before we got started, reached out to St. Jude's to see how it worked. And then we reached out to these instructors. Nobody said no. It was an instantaneous yes. My gosh, how can I help? Absolutely. Oh, and you probably don't care if it's an hour or a 20-minute TED Talk for that matter. No. To be honest, the hour was just so that we could keep it more regimented for Fellum and, and Chuck course, to be course. able to moderate. But now, yeah, you, it was. now, since it's virtual, is it virtual live, virtual recorded, both? Virtual live. Virtual live. You will have an agenda so I can pick the time to come in and view that particular session. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And you'll have, I mean, your virtual ticket can get you in at any one point in time in the two days, but you can pick and choose as you see fit. There, we're finishing up now with the moderators to have the schedule up and posted here in the next couple of days. And who's your moderator? Pelham Rowe, who is a part of CTG uh, and Circuit Magazine out of the UK. And then, of course, Chuck, the, the, the famous Chuck Randolph is also. Okay. There, so. Well, I, I, you know, Chuck, you're going to have to learn auctioneer skills. We got to get this money up to at least 20. <laughs> where, where, where do we sit today? Um, we so we sit today at uh, $11,180 and we want to reach our goal, which is $20,000. And we want to invite everybody to start helping us. And not just because of the, these amazing speakers and having the opportunity to listen to them, but we have raffle prizes. We have 26 books. We have two full scholarships. Three actually, right? From IFPO as well now. Yes, so excuse me, three, three scholarships. Uh, we have four tickets from IPSB 
So these are the the raffle gets you possibly to a book. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Everybody who who buys their ticket and gets their virtual ticket will also be in the raffle and they'll be randomly drawn and they can win something. Yes. Yeah. So Fred Burton has a couple of his books in that. Three books. Yeah. That and of course everyone loves Fred Burton. So (laughs) that's wonderful. What other books are being published? Uh, so we have uh, books from uh, uh, from Michael Julian. Uh, we have books from Dr. Mary Beth uh, Wolkas Janke. We have books from Colin Tansley, uh, from Mike Roche. Mike well. Roche. We've got books from AS Solutions back when Christian sure. West and Brian Jansen had written uh, the Private Lives book all about EP. That's there as well. Copies of that. Is Michael Trott in there somewhere? No, no. Okay. All right. They um, so. This is cool. One, here's here's a big idea. Um, w- when we publish this podcast, let's tell the manufacturers about it in this industry too. Let's get them to at least come in at thirty nine bucks. If not, uh, it's five hundred dollars for a corporate one, right? Yes, for sponsors, right. I guess. So yeah, let let's make sure we do that. I know all of you are listening, going, "Really, Ronnie? You're pitching this hard?" Yes, I'm pitching <laughs> pitching this hard because this is cool. This is a give back in every sense of the word. And uh, I appreciate you two so much. It really, it's it's great. I can't wait that we get together one day over a, a coffee and uh, and uh, maybe even a beer. I was going to say a martini sounds really good. <laughs> or a martini. Well, what did you say you were having when I was having my martini? We were doing a pina colada vodka. I know that sounds strange, but it's it, really good. It really sounded gross, but I got to try it. Whatever. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah, it became her favorite. So I'm kind of like just tagging along. You know. <laughs> this has been a great conversation with Elaine Marichal, uh, uh, who uh, underneath them has Athena Worldwide, Athena Academy, Nanny Guards, and uh, just appreciate you two so much. Thank, Thank you, you so again much. so much for this opportunity.